Come on, how many are thankful for the house of God? How awesome is God in this place? And who would have thought um, many years ago, my family arrived in Auckland, 1986, I think it was. There was 26 people in the church. Six of them were retired pastors. Me, my two brothers and my sister turned up. We were the youth group. The joys of hanging out with your brothers and sister on a Friday night. Yeah. But to think where we've come from now in 14 different countries, 42 locations internationally. On any given Sunday around New Zealand, we run 37 services where people are encountering God. The story of God is continuing. Stories of transformed lives, stories of hope, stories of healing, stories of restoration and reconciliation. And I'm so thankful for this house. I'm thankful for what God's done in this house. But I'm also excited because that's laid a platform for our future. We've said we want to build a church that can't be ignored. That everywhere we go, we carry something of God with us. And I love the fact that more and more people are encountering Jesus. In fact, people used to come into church and say, oh, this is the best kept secret. I thought, that's not a compliment. That's not a compliment. Our whole role is to get the message of Jesus out there, to be a light on a hill, to to shine. We don't want to be a secret. I'm glad today that that people are encountering people from Equipus Church who found Jesus. And, And I just love the fact that as we empower, as we equip people, You know, people on a daily basis encountering Jesus because of the ministry that is coming from this house. We want to be a church that can't be ignored. We want to be a church that can't be stopped. How many know God entrusts big problems to big-spirited people? Who's got some big problems right now? Anybody got some big problems? You can lift up your hand. Well, here's the encouragement to you. Encouragement to you is that God entrusts big problems to big-spirited people. And I love the fact there's a, there's a whole group of big-spirited people in this place. Because as a church, we've got some problems. We're not afraid of problems. Because we serve a God who's bigger than any problem that we face. And so many people are telling God how big their problem is. I love the fact that at Equipage Church, we're telling our problems how big our God is. Come on, our God is bigger, our God is greater, our God is stronger. Come on, if you believe that today, how about giving God a big clap of praise? Come on. And we've got challenges ahead of us, but we want to be a church that can't be ignored, can't be, be stopped and can't be explained. That when people look or encounter people from this place, they're going, wow, this is different. Yeah, this, how do all these people come together? You know, different backgrounds, different walks, different cultures. But how, how do they all end up in the same room? And they look back and they'd always go, oh, that has to be God. You know, if it can be explained, normally it, it's of human origins. <laughs> but the fact of what God's done, well, what God's done in and amongst us, man, it has to be God. To think that a small group in Auckland could impact nations where we were once one location, we're now 42 locations around the world, is a miracle in motion, and thousands of lives are being impacted for the kingdom. Come on, can we give God a big clap of praise for His house? It's His house. It's His church. 
And this is Miracle Sunday. And we get the opportunity to take forward what God uh, has promised us. Uh, I, just this verse in John 21, verse 45, as I was praying for today, I believe this is an encouragement, not just to us as a whole, but maybe to some individuals out there. It says, not one of all the Lord's good promises, get this, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed Everyone was fulfilled. If you're holding on to a promise now, if you believe God's spoken to an area in your life, you got to get this. Not one of those promises, I believe, is not going to be fulfilled. We're going to see them fulfilled in our lifetime, in our day, as we put our trust in Jesus. But I quickly want to take you to the text for my message today. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, this is what I want to unpack. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, listen to this. The human body has many parts. It has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. You have many parts, but all those parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with us. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. We're from all different backgrounds. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been, all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. If you know Jesus in your heart, we all share the same spirit. And that spirit isn't separating us, that spirit is bringing us together. Verse 14, it says, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, that would be weird. If the whole body was just one part, that would be really weird. If it were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have, what are that have? We have many parts, many parts. How many are glad, uh, thankful for the richness of the body of Christ? We, we have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, we are many parts, but only one body. And I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. He can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that each honor, so that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together, all of us together, are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here's what I want you to say. I had to your neighbor and say, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this. I am a part of this. I'm a part of it. You're a part of it. We're all a part of it. I am a part of this. I'm a part. I'm a part, though, a significant part, an important part, a special part, but I am just a part. I'm just a part. I'm just an eye. I'm just an ear. I'm just, well, I'm just a part of it. I'm not the whole. 
I'm a part, get this, we're all a part of this and none of us the whole, but together we are the whole. Now, I want you to follow me because one thing we've got to understand in life is that autonomy is critical to life, is critical to life in God. You know, God entrusts us with certain things and he puts it under our care. And he gives us authority over things. And one thing we've been given authority over is our own life. And autonomy is really important. Anything that removes choice in life is dangerous. In fact, a lot of institutions, corporations today, they work off the premise of manipulation and control. In fact, what underpins a lot of society today is manipulation and how can we control. And and don't worry, I'm not going to get into any big conspiracy theories this morning. But that underpins a lot of what happens in today's world. And I want to say autonomy is, is foundational to maturity. It's foundational where you can take responsibility for yourself, for your life. I like what Paul says in the chapter that follows, chapter 12, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, which often gets read out at weddings, but this may not be a part you've read out before. Verse 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. So when I was a child, I talked, I thought, and I reasoned like a child. How many know a lot of people have grown up, but they're still speaking like a child? He says, but when I became a man, I put childhood behind me. For we now, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know what? I know in parts. Then I shall fully, even though, even as I am fully known. And he goes on and he says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But what's he saying? I see in part. I mean, no, none of us see the full picture. And it takes a maturity to understand that I'm just a part. I'm not the whole. But how many of you think, I'm a big person now. I see everything. I know everything. No, you don't. In fact, the older you get, the realize the less you know. And autonomy is taking responsibility for your life, but it's realizing I'm just a part. I'm not the whole. I'm a significant part, an important part, but, but I'm just a part, and I need to reconcile myself and connect myself to the whole picture. One thing I am responsible for is I'm responsible for my attitude. I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my maturity. I'm responsible, as you grow up, you teach children that they're responsible for the decisions that they make. It's amazing how many people today are blaming other things. Well, they made me do it. No, you didn't. they didn't make you do anything. They made me angry. Well, a little kid blames, oh, tiger made me do it. And they're pointing to a soft toy in the corner. They made me do it. No, nobody can make you do anything. You choose your attitude. And part of maturity is understanding that you have choices. And, and, and part of maturity is understanding the immutable principle of seed time and harvest. And it goes like this. God's not mocked for whatever a person sows, they will reap. Now, the decisions you make today are going to affect your tomorrow. And that's part of growing up. I may not be in control of what happens to me, but I am responsible for my, uh, I, but I can determine my responses to it. I, I have a choice. Autonomy is realizing I have a choice. I am responsible for my attitude. I'm responsible for the condition of my heart. 
I've got to look after my heart because out of my heart, as the Bible says, flows the issues of life. I'm responsible for the seeds that I sow. Not so much the harvest, but I can guarantee a good harvest if I'm sowing good seeds. I'm responsible for what comes out of my mouth. I'm responsible for my time. A lot of people today are complaining how busy they are, but you have no right to complain over what you permit. Come on, you're in control of your diary. If you're too busy, just change it. You have a choice. You can make a decision. You don't need to live under that. I'm responsible also for the opportunities that are presented to me. Too many people today live in a world where they fear failure. I believe as believers, we should actually fear waste more than failure. God's given us time. Listen to what Jesus said, well, the master said to, to the third person in the parable of the talents who buried their talent. He called them wicked and lazy. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna hear those words when I get to eternity, that I just buried the gift that was given to me rather than used it because I was afraid of failure. I wanna hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's, as a church, that's what we're saying. We're never gonna die wondering whether God could impact this world, whether God could use a group of people to change the city. Come on, we're always gonna be a group of people who steps out in faith. And often we're said, we're either gonna reach our city or close our doors, but we're not gonna do anything in between because that's religion. Now, now you gotta get this. Autonomy in life is really important. While you're a child, you're under the guardianship of your parents. But legally, at the age of 16, you're autonomous. You have a level of autonomy and you grow in your autonomy. Autonomy gives you the freedom to choose. And that's how God operates. He says, choose, you choose. In fact, he said it to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. And then he gives the answer. He says, choose life. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. How many know our decisions don't just affect us? They affect future generations. And the whole message of the gospel in God is what we're gonna understand. The whole message is we have the freedom to chart a new course. I like what the prophet Reggie Dabb said. Our past is our history and our future is our destiny. In fact, I've been reading a book called Business Secrets from the Bible. It's written by a rabbi. And secret number three in this book is humans alone have the ability to transform themselves. Humans alone have the ability to transform themselves. The reality is an animal is what they are and they'll always be that, an animal. You know, take a cat, a cow, a camel, and a kangaroo. They'll always be a cat, a cow, a camel, and a kangaroo. That, that's how they are. But, but you take a homeless person and that homeless person can be transformed into a published author and a motivational speaker. So, so we as humans have the ability to transform. In fact, the Jewish principle is the way I am today has nothing to do with what I'll be tomorrow. The, the way I am today has nothing to do with what I'll be tomorrow. And, and when it comes to our future and our destiny, we have the ability to shape, shape our destiny. We have the ability to do something powerful in this place today. I like Joshua, you know, he confronts the children of Israel because they're off, they're looking to serve other gods and other things. 
And Joshua comes to them in Joshua 24. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. It's amazing today that many people, it's like, serving God? No, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not into that. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve because you're serving something. Choose whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve, uh, your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But he goes like, but as for me and my house, what we're going to do is we're going to serve the Lord. This is the direction that we're going in. One thing I found out about God is God will never force Himself upon you. He will never come on too strong. He'll present Himself and He says, you choose. You have a choice. And get this, no choice is a choice. You have a choice right now to accept, but if you make no choice, what you're doing is you're rejecting. Because Jesus' life demands a response. You can't just be neutral. You either got to accept or reject, or there's a third option where you get to investigate. I want to say, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the best thing you can do is seek Him out. And I'm confident to say, if you seek Him out, you will find Him. But you got to understand, we're all serving something. And the power of the gospel, though, is the power of the gospel gives us the freedom to choose. Before we knew Jesus, each and every one of us were slaves to sin. That ruled us. So some of us were bound and we didn't even know we're bound. We're bound to insecurity. We're ruled by what other people think. We're always trying to you know, appease the opinions of man. Some of us right now, we're, we're, we know Jesus, but we're still bound. We're bound by money. And in fact, money determines what we do and what we don't do. Rather than vision and obedience, that's making choices for us. We don't, we don't make the choices. How much money in our bank account makes the choices? I'm glad as a church, we've never determined our vision by how much money we do or we don't have. If we did that, we wouldn't have churches in Europe. We wouldn't be impacting Philippines. We wouldn't be impacting India. If it was about how much money is in our bank account. Some people here, we're bound by bitterness and hurt from past events. But Jesus gives us the freedom to forgive. Because you, when you're received from Jesus, you're, you are then enabled to give. We have a choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a choice. You have a choice. Some of you are going, man, where's he going with this? Don't worry. He knows where he's going. And I'm saying all this to say that in this, independence is a choice, but it's a wrong choice. Independence actually restricts what God can do through your life. Now, I, I say this because independence is different from autonomy. Listen to me, don't get these confused. Autonomy cultivates maturity. I'm in charge of my own destiny. Independence de de derives from an immaturity and, and a self-centeredness. Because it says subtly, it's saying, I'm the whole. I've got all the answers. I don't need these other people. I'm a whole. I'm not just a part. But maturity understands I'm just a part. And I need to reconcile myself to the whole. See, independent attitudes removes the possibility and the potential and the potency of togetherness. 
And how God works through is uh, He works in our togetherness. This is Miracle Sunday. And it's uh, in our togetherness, we're going to see a miracle released. Just quickly, I want to identify just three independent attitudes. You ready for this? Three independent attitudes. The first attitude is the decisions I make just affect me and my world. You know, I'll live how I want to live. It's my life. I'll do with it what I want. Correct. Correct. You have the freedom to choose. But what a lot of people don't realize is that our choices affect others. My story is not separate from your story. We are both pages and novels. We're pages and that people are writing on our heart. My daughter's story is not separate from my story, nor my story separate from their story. It's all interwoven. It's all connected. And there's pages. People are writing on my heart, but I'm also a novelist where I'm writing on the pages of somebody else's heart. Yeah, I may make independent decisions, but those decisions affect all the people in my world. Yeah, how many know in this world it's easier to pass on disease than it is something that's healthy? Come on, right now we're living in a pandemic. You just need to be in close proximity to somebody else to pass on disease. Disease, it it goes fast. But here's the deal. If you're going to pass on something healthy, you need to be intentional. What's Miracle Sunday about? It's saying we're going to be intentional about our future. Because we want to do something significant in our world. We, We don't want to just camp where we are. We want to continue to grow and expand. That hundreds, if not thousands, more people may come to know the goodness of goodness and grace that we have received. Yeah, you need to be close, just close to somebody to pass on disease. But you need to act with intention to transfer health. And we're transferring something all the time. In fact, how Kathy and I fight. Yeah, we fight from time to time. We have arguments. But how many know that affects? How my kids now perceive marriage. Yes, my life, but my life affects the people around, around us. And that's why we're saying as a church, let's be intentional when it comes to our impact in the world. Independence says, well, the decisions I make just affect me and my world. It's my life. I'll do whatever I want. You've got the freedom to choose. But your life is not just about you. The second thing, uh, uh, attitude with independence is, if it doesn't benefit me and my world, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't benefit me and my world, it doesn't matter. How many know going through a whole lot of photos? You skip the ones you're not in, uh, but you pause on the one that you're in. And if you look good in the photo, it's a good photo. Forget about everyone else. Or a team is being read out. You're being selected for a team. You're listening in. You don't, you're not listening to every other name, but you're tuned into your name. So, so many people, you know, when it comes to the church, it's about my part, my part. And if it doesn't affect my part, it doesn't matter. It's all about me, my part. And we don't see the whole. What independence does is independence re- reproduces small thinking. And there's a lot of people who come to church just because I have need, you know, and as long as I've got need, I'm in church, but the moment I don't have need, church is not as critical, it's not as vital. A lot of people wouldn't be in church today if they didn't have enough need to keep them in church. And their life is focused about their need. Often we've said at Equipus Church, what we're doing is we're drawing a bigger circle, a big circle. And what we're doing is, hey, let's draw a big enough circle that we can include the multitudes, the masses. 
One story I love in the Bible, it's found in all four Gospels, is the feeding of the 5,000. And the context of that story was the disciples had been so busy that they hadn't had enough, hadn't had a chance to eat. Man, that's busy because most of us prioritize food. They get in a boat to go and get some alone time with Jesus only to be surrounded by a crowd when they get to the other side. Jesus has compassion on the crowd and he starts teaching the crowd. It's getting late in the day and one of the disciples say, hey, we need to send the the people away because they're hungry and they need to go into the villages to get something to eat. How many know it wasn't about the crowd's hunger? Remember, they had been so busy that they hadn't had a chance to eat. I've asked this question before, and I've found you know, it applies to a lot of us. How many have ever blamed their children for something they are feeling? It's like, oh, I need to take the kids home. They're really hungry. <laughs> but really, you're the one who's really hungry? Oh, the kids, man, they're so grumpy and tired, but you're the tired and grumpy one, but you're just using the kids? Yeah, what were the disciples about to do? They were about to send away a miracle. I wonder how many people send away a miracle, send away the multitudes because their life is about their need. In fact, their life isn't even a circle. It's just an outline of their own body. Now, the only place you normally find that is at a crash scene, which means somebody's dead. And do you know there's a lot of dead Christians around because their life's all about their need? And we're going to make sure that we don't send away a miracle, that we draw a big enough circle that includes the the family members who don't know Jesus, our community, our city. Come on, let's give God a big clap of praise because that's what Miracle Sunday is all about. We're drawing a big enough circle that it's including the people in our world who don't know Jesus. The fact that you're sitting here today is because somebody drew a big enough circle that it included you. Many people, oh, I got need. No, you got to look beyond your need. And I believe if you respond to God and you present what you have to God, it's then and there He's able to multiply it. But so many people, well, if it doesn't benefit me and my world, I'm going to dismiss it. It's not. This is you know those church leaders think. No, this is us. I'm a part, significant part, important part, not the whole. And I need to attach myself to other people so that we can make a difference. Third attitude is, how can I get the benefits of the whole without the cost? I want to be part of this deal, but I don't really want to fully buy in. I want the promised land, but I don't want to change. I want the benefits of this, but not the responsibility. I want to have access to what it means to be part of the team, but I only want to play on the weekends. I don't want to turn up to practices. Yeah, I I reckon in a lot of ways, good sports teams get this better than the church. I mean, no, you don't turn up to practice, you don't play on the weekend. Yeah, you know, I want to play on the weekends, but if I'm injured, if I'm injured, you know, I won't even show up to the game and support the team. Because I'm not involved. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I wear the uniform, but I won't, I won't pay the price of it. I want the milk and the honey of the promised land, but I want it in the delivery method of mana. I I want it to arrive just outside my door. That's why a lot of people are are living in the wilderness. 
Because they don't understand that the promised land is a land of responsibility. It's a land. In the wilderness, things arrived outside the tent door. But in the promised land, they had to go out and get what they needed. See, what an independent attitude does is it isolates its behavior from everybody else. In fact, Proverbs 18 verse 1 puts it well. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Or the person who isolates himself is selfish. It's like, well, it's different for me. I have a different standard. Question, big question. Question today. I want you to ask you this. If the future of the church rested on your investment today, what would it look like in five years' time? If the future of the church rested on your investment today, what would it look like in five years' time? See, so many of us go, well, you know, I'll leave it to those other parts. I'll I'll leave it to somebody else. No, but if everybody did what you did, where would we be? Would people come to know Jesus? Yeah, you know, a lot of people, oh, I'll leave it to somebody else. I want the benefits of, yeah, I'm part of a church that changes the world, but I'm not prepared to take the responsibility. I've got the vision, but I'm not prepared to wear the restraints. And, and what we're gonna ask ourselves, am I playing my part? Am I doing my share? Because the overall price never changed. Here's, here's the deal. It costs money to plant churches in Fiji. And I'm glad our church has responded. It, it costs money to help people. Do you know what immaturity does? Immaturity doesn't understand full cost. That's why your kids leave the lights on, never go around the house switching them off because they don't pay the power bill. They just think that God, you know, the house gets hit by lightning and there's electricity for three months. It's like they don't understand that you have to pay rates. Immaturity doesn't understand full cost. It doesn't understand, oh, wow, we're making an impact in Fiji. Yeah, but that cost, and somebody's had to give to that. Yeah, I'm glad that we could respond to a need in India. Right now with COVID, there's serious need in India. A big country with a lot of people. And our team in India, our church, is, is engaged with that need. And right now we'll put an appeal out to to all our Equipage churches. Come on, we can make a difference here. We can make it, in fact, we're believing to impact 12,000 families. 12,000 families. And for 14 US dollars, we can feed, we can provide for our family for one month. One, One month. That's what we can do. And I love the fact, you know, get this, we're taking up a miracle offering here in Auckland. It used to be one location, but now we've got 42 locations around the world doing the same thing. There's been exponential growth in that. And we're responding to this need. And, and this is just one, just happened this week. We were saying, man, we could impact 12,000 families with 14 US dollars and feed that family for a month. In fact, some of the pictures are going up on the screen as to how we're doing that. But how's that happening? It's by people saying, man, I'm gonna do my part. I'm not gonna leave it to somebody else. I'm gonna step up and do this. See, what you gotta understand is destinies are never found on discount. 
Some of you, you've heard from God, you've got a vision for God, but you're waiting for a cell. You don't find your destiny at Briscoe's. They've always got a cell. Come on, come on. You found it. You've got to come to the cross. You've got to lay it all down. And what we're doing is we're saying, all we have is yours, God. And I'm born for kingdom purpose. I'm just a part, but I need to reconcile my part to the whole. See, attitude of independence goes, oh, you know, well, how little can I get away with? Why, what can I do that's not going to affect my lifestyle that much? Yeah, I want to be involved, but I want to do the minimum rather than engaging faith. I'm asking people when it comes to miracle offering to engage faith. Faith. Because that's how we're gonna see the change that this world needs. Here's the deal. You're free to attempt whatever you want. But you gotta know that each and every one of us are fighting forces that are larger than ourselves. Some of you are trying to win the game by yourself. But God's designed it that we would be connected to one another and together would find the answers. Don't unhook yourself from what you need. In fact, I heard a story, well, I know a story of two guys who were picking up a barbecue from a place. One of our families were giving away a barbecue and our students needed a barbecue. And so two guys went around to pick up the barbecue but they couldn't back the trailer down the driveway. There was a little bit of a steep driveway. And so what did they do? They unhooked the trailer from the car and they thought they would just walk the trailer down that hill. One of the guys is a bodybuilder, but he wasn't strong enough to hold the trailer because there's this thing called momentum and that came into play. And eventually he let it go. And this house had just been renovated. And it went down the driveway and smashed into this newly renovated house. Because they thought they could do it by themselves. Don't unhook your life. Somebody actually asked me to use that as a sermon illustration because it was a good story and I thought, man, I can get this in somewhere. (laughs) Come on, there's things that you're up against that you can't fight alone and you weren't designed to win by yourself. Players in the dying minutes, teams behind and they try and win it by themselves. But the team loses because it's about our togetherness that actually wins the game. We're only as strong as what we're attached to. And one thing is autonomy, choice, brings ownership. No way are we here to control and manipulate. Everybody's free to choose, but a good choice is to surrender your independence and to embrace unity. Because it's when we're together in unity is then and there God commands a blessing. Just quickly, seven reasons why I'm giving today. Giving above and beyond my tithe. Seven reasons is because I know it changes lives. We've got a big vision of impacting 100,000 people across the planet in the next five years. Change lives. What matters? People, people, people. Change lives. 
We need a building, but buildings just serve people. It's all about people, people, change lives. Why am I giving today? I'm giving because of generational impact. I don't want my kids and my kids' kids to come to me and say, what were you doing back then? You had an opportunity, but you didn't do anything with it. I want them to stand on my ceiling. I want to reach out. I want to lift the level, generational impact. reason why I give today is it's good for my heart. Giving is the antidote to greed. And this world is full of greed. In fact, greed is one of the major epidemics in the world today. It's just greed. And our heart can get self-centered and greedy, and that's why we don't give. reason why I give today is gratitude. He's my source. Everything that I have has come from God. And when I don't, I'm, I'm saying, I've done this. And I'm buying into a lie. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Other reason why I give is just out of obedience to God. Knowing that if I build His house, if I prioritize His mission, if I make His last command my first priority, I won't go without. And He calls me to trust Him in that, to trust Him. And the seventh reason why I give is worship. How could I not? How could I not? I love Jesus. How could I not? I just want to give back to him. Out of the abundance of what he's given me. I'm asking people to sacrifice. I'm asking people to, to put this just not as something that, oh, well, I've got this left over. Come on, we have a vision, and because we've got a vision, big vision, we build restraints around our lives. And in this next season, I believe we need a position, especially this house here, so it can send and mobilize more people. This is an apostolic house. This is a sending house. It always will be. We're not just here for the needs of this community. The fact that from this gathering here in the city, We've got now 42 locations around the world is a miracle. It's because that's been part of our DNA and we're not gonna stop. We're gonna keep on reaching out beyond ourselves. Who would have thought we'd have a church in Budapest? Some of you don't even know what country that's in. Yes, what country is that in? What country? It's in Hungary, for those that don't know. It's in Hungary. And Hungary's just not a state of being, it's actually a country. You know, the fact that we've got a church you know, in India, in Mexico in the last year, Mexico, the community there. These are places, I've never been to Budapest, never been to Mexico, never been to Ghana. We're in Ghana. But I'm having an impact in those places. And together we can, we can actually have a huge difference and it's our togetherness and our unity that enables us to do that. It's good for your heart and giving is the antidote to greed and it just frees your heart from stuff. It frees your heart from money. It enables you to trust God. And so I'm asking people to give because we've got big vision unapologetically and big vision needs big resources. I'm just saying, if everybody does their part, if everybody plays their role, what could happen? 
I know what will happen. A miracle will take place. Because as we take what we have to offer, we put it into the hands of Jesus. What does Jesus do? Just like the five loaves and two fish, He multiplies it to feed a multitude. And we want to be in a place where everyone eats. Nobody goes without. Where we can meet the needs of the people around us. And that we can see the kingdom of God go forward in Jesus' name.